0: And we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And I'm joined by Seth Wintraub on the first special occasion. That's a It's a dream come true, everyone, for, for Seth right now. Set has been asking for a long time to do a podcast live from one of the vehicles that we are reviewing. But it never works out because you have to have the internet working fine. You have, you have to have all the conditions for it. You have to have the power inside the vehicle. But right now... You are in the Rivian R1T and everything lined up perfectly. So here we
1: are, said, how are you feeling? I'm good. Uh, I, everything lined up perfectly except uh, the weather. It's, it's nice. pouring uh, in New York. But um, Rivian gave us a uh, R1T for the weekend. Um, I've got lots of plans for it. Going to take it all over the place. Um, my wife has already told me that we're going to go pick up some shrubbery. Um, we're going to do all kinds of, uh, testing. I've already driven all over my yard, so, uh, it'll be fun, but what's kind of nice is that we can, uh, answer any questions. I know this is, you know, very impromptu, but, uh, if anybody has any questions that I can like look directly at this vehicle and answer about that Rivian R1T, that would be fantastic, um, to ask. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, so it's far we... movie
0: magic. You're literally yeah. in the car right now, so we can answer everything. Um, but otherwise, we'll we'll start the show while your your uh, question comes in. Uh, just a quick note to thank uh, Recurrent Auto for sponsoring this episode of the Electric Podcast. Uh, you can check the battery before buying a used EV and monitor your battery performance with monthly insight using Recurrent's free battery reports for EV owners. We're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on, on the show. Uh, like Seth said, uh, you can send in your questions right now through YouTube, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you're listening live, and uh, we're going to get to them. We have the first one, Vicente Perez, asking Seth, how is the finish compared to Tesla? So that's a good question because, of course, Seth is a longtime Tesla owner. Uh, how do you compare it,
1: the Riven R1T? So, I, you know, I think it's really nice. Um, for me, like, obviously, uh, interior subjective. Um, I really like this, uh, you know, the wood, um, you have the shiny like brass stuff going on here. I don't know if it's brass. Um, I I would say the screen is very similar to the the Tesla screen. It's obviously a little shorter, um, but, uh, you know, fantastic clarity. I haven't driven it at night yet, but I think it's going to be fine. Um, I really love the wood. Um, It's a lot more busy than the Tesla. So, you know, if you're a person that likes uh, minimalist stuff, uh, this isn't going to be your vehicle, but um, or Tesla is probably going to be your only choice. But overall, it's not as busy either as like
0: a like a German luxury vehicles. Like it's not right. It, it's a healthy medium, I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, or a Cadillac or whatever. There's you know there's no buttons besides on the steering wheel. Um, so it's it's in a lot of ways it's similar to a Tesla, but um, it's not. It's it's a little bit more. Uh, designy and you know the the fit and finish like you know how tight is it it's it's phenomenal i mean this is a press vehicle so they're probably gonna check it over and make sure that they don't give us one that's got a big you know gash in it or something but um the stitching is tight uh everything feels really solid um i've had it for about four hours now um and i haven't found one like major flaw i mean you know you do see some like little things that you would see on any car from any manufacturer um, it's like kind of an alcantara uh headliner i guess um overall like super impressed um i don't think i've been in a car this cool you know for me uh you know for for a while maybe the porsche was probably a little bit cooler but um this this is fantastic um so that was the next
0: question to tyler from Tyler don Donojo. um mm-hmm. About are there any physical dials, button, and controls? So you said no other than from the steering wheel.
1: Yeah, so the steering wheel is where most of the stuff is. Um, you've got you know the dials here. Uh, this is the volume, and the, you know the left side is music. So you got like next track, but there's not as much like uh, lettering or as a typical uh, you know car steering wheel. And then you have got the same thing on the other side. And then you've got stocks, which, you know, if you're driving a plaid Tesla, you may miss, but, um, the left stock is kind of, uh, to do with the the windshield wiping stuff and, and lights. And the right stock is, um, the, you know, forward drive park, uh, and then cruise control is double tap down. So, um. But that, that that brings in another important
0: question, though, because like if you're going that way, you're going no physical buttons, and you're going mostly through screens, and like you said, there's the steering wheel. Then it brings up like how good is your UI? Because you have to have a good UI if you're not relying on physical buttons, and that's where Tesla has been like leading the competition, really, focusing everything on the user interface so that you you don't miss the buttons. How is Rivian doing on that front so far? It's so
1: like- I would say. Good but not great. Um, there, so the UI for like uh, air conditioning is this right here, mm-hmm. and you've got. Kind- can you, you can,
0: can kind you of- can you remove me from the screen? Go go full full screen. Was- uh, I don't need to be on the screen right now. I lo- love looking at myself, but.
1: <laughs> so um, you can kind of see uh, you've got mm-hmm. like all these you know heating things. You've got the heated steering wheel, um, uh, heated seats. Uh, you have auto uh, for the uh, air conditioning. I don't want to turn that on. Otherwise it's going to get loud in here. Yeah, um, cool. But, you know, as far as climate, um, you've got, a, I would say, a very good user interface. Um, just it takes a few minutes to get used to it, you know, to know where all the stuff is. And, uh, you know, for instance, on my way up here, um, the the windshield started fogging up and it wasn't immediately obvious how I deal with that mm-hmm. that that's how you do it. default but i was messing around in this whole thing so and then turning everything off is is the, uh, the next. at least that's working we know it's working
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no i mean you, you, we do see some similarities for sure with uh with the way tesla set things up and uh, absolutely and it's not it's no accident because uh rivian did a higher uh tesla's lead ui uh interface designer early on in the, in the process of making the R1T and R1S.
1: Yeah. And I, I will say, so we reviewed uh, this, we had a trip to Colorado mm. and so one of the issues was the uh, screen. Like when you're on the navigation screen, things were a little slow. Now things have really sped up. Like, I don't know if you can tell, but um, it's pretty good tracking um, with the, with the UI and the touch. Mm. Um You know, I don't know if I would put the music over here on the right. I think, uh, you know, it would be kind of nice to have that over here, and then you can look over there. But, you know, maybe that's for the passenger to deal with, or maybe something we can uh, mess around with later. Because
0: you do Uh, do get the navigation, too, on the instrument cluster, right?
1: Yeah, so you have uh, the the cluster right there, and, yes, the navigation is there. I will say, um, coming out of Brooklyn, um, it gave me a really wonky uh, way to get home. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually ended up using Google Maps and saved myself probably about 20 minutes. Um, so not, not, not perfect yet. but Android. Google
0: Maps on your phone because you, can, yeah. can, you, you there's no
1: is there Apple Carplay on this? No huh? No, there's no carplay, there's no Android auto, which is you know very controversial. Um, you can do most of this stuff like play music uh, from your phone. Um, so that's ninety percent of what most people use mm. their phone for. But the maps, you're you're going with Rivian's maps, which are, you know, their own. They're rolling their own. Uh, they're using, I think, a company called Mapbox for the for the actual like the tiles. But my understanding is they want to map the world with their cars and then you know, kind of use that data to. they're rolling their own, basically. Mm. Which is ambitious, but uh,
0: and it makes sense long term. But there's going to be some growing pains in the meantime, probably because of it. Uh, so it's not it's not ideal for that. But uh, I mean, uh, the point is though, Rivian is also bidding heavily on over the air software updates, and like you said, maybe even the responsiveness of the screens is already something that they apparently might have a. Uh, um, might have addressed. We have Manuel uh, live. That's asking off on one update. Or are you on? Uh, so that
1: might yeah, you know. so that that's interesting you asked because um just last night um a update came down uh and uh apparently they didn't do it at the Rivian Auto Center. So I am on the almost latest episode or the latest version of the uh software. What did I just do? Uh, see I don't I don't even know this uh this UI yet, but um there is a software update to do. Um at some point. So I'm on the second to latest version. That would be uh,
0: an interesting thing just to, to to keep note of and like maybe it can uh so to, to show people how uh, as a software update on their Vivian and like uh, the release notes, how they look like and everything. That,
1: uh, oh yeah, here we go. So close this down. Software updates. I'm on version twenty twenty-two eleven two. And, um, the update is 22150. And last time I said, see what's new, it just, it didn't bring up anything. All right, here we go. Yeah. Update details, new car wash mode. Uh, they told me about that at the, uh, thing. I don't think I'm going to wash this thing. Mm. It's raining. Uh, updated tune in design. So that's part of the uh, music experience. Improved DC fast charging performance. So we saw, uh, some, some people try the new. Uh, Fast charging, I'm obviously going to go check it out at Electrify America when the uh, charge level gets low. So hopefully I'll get, I think somebody got like 215 or 218 or something uh, kilowatts. So that'll be pretty quick charging. Uh, These are big batteries though. Uh, Additional improvements to software release includes the following traction control and muddy terrain. Uh, That'll come in handy. Low ride height and conserved drive mode as manual setting, improved ride height level accuracy, Improve range loss consistency while vehicle is sleeping and a bunch of other stuff yeah I mean they, that's a thing when you're early like that
0: in the in the process there's gonna be a lot more room for improvement so I think yeah. every every software update is gonna include a lot of small improvement that add up to a a better
1: experience for the owner I also thought it was interesting that these software updates take ninety minutes hmm that's, that's a significant uh time period that's not like uh you know can to- you plan them overnight like
0: you, you do with Tesla? Like, like tell them. Uh,
1: I don't think so. Um, mm. But you know, sometimes I do a, an update like while we're going out to dinner or something. Yeah. This one would have to be a longer dinner. Yeah.
0: Uh, so right now, what, what it says on it, you, you can just click on it to say like, do it right now. You
1: cannot say do it later. Uh, it just says update now. Okay. And if I hit that, I, I don't know. Yeah. Going- no. So you I don't okay so the new update will have a new garage door opener new exterior light settings new automatic high beams and a bunch of other little stuff like a lot of little stuff and then some ascii art at the bottom
0: so greg paulin asked does it have double pane windows i guess you can check that real quick <laughs> just rolling it down
1: <laughs> yeah it does uh i think it yeah i think it does actually mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty thick and they're, uh... it is really quiet and really, um, you know, driving up here, it was amazingly quiet um, ride for a truck and like as smooth as could be, like, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to beat having so much ride height um, to dampen all the bumps. Um, it's, it's an advantage that uh, SUVs have over, you know, sports sedans. Yeah. So kind of in a good place there.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty much it, what we have for question right now. But, I mean, Seth is going to be in the car for the rest of the show yeah. anyway while we move on to our good news items. So if you guys have any other questions regarding the R1T, you can put them in the comments right now. But we're going to move on and come back later. And obviously, Seth is going to have uh, next week or a week before, after that, a full review of, uh, of the vehicle. But uh, we're gonna stay on Rivian since we're on the subject. Uh, this week they we had a big news that their incentive package for the upcoming Georgia factory uh, has gone through. So they they secured a deal to make the factory happen. It was contingent on approving and one point f- an incentive package worth one point five billion. But as we talked about before, in those in those deal like those are are. It's not like Georgia is ending out $1.5 billion to to Rivian. It's over years, uh, depending on uh, over $5 billion in investment from Rivian and uh, a lot of requirements instead of jobs, which we expect to create 7,500 of them. Um, So, yeah, these are the details of the deal. So, like, a $5 billion investment from Rivian, package worth 1.5, 7,500 jobs created by 2028, 2028. uh, pretty much double that with indirect jobs uh, in in the in uh, the area. Uh, average annual salary fifty six thousand dollars, and uh, there's going to be an investment in the co- local community pilot payment that they call it. So, uh, it. It funds a bunch of schools and um, other uh, government-run programs like the police and and whatnot in the area, uh, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, this is this is a major project, obviously, that has been somewhat criticized by some Rivian investors because they, they already have the Illinois pro, uh, factory that uh, need, needs to ramp up to at least, the, the, I think the goal is over 200,000 units per year. And obviously, Rivian is far from that right now. And also, it needs to make that profitable. And uh, also, Rivian is pretty far from that. So there's a lot of things that needs to happen. Like them, for lack of a better word, figuring out how to make vehicle production sustainable and profitable in normal Illinois before moving to this new factory in Georgia. But the counter to that is obviously they are learning a ton from the deployment of the production capacity in Illinois. And they, they, they're they kind of chomping at the bits to, to to be able to apply what they learned from that to this brand new facility and uh, and they kind of have the money to do it. Like they they raised on like sixteen billion dollars from the going public deal last year. Uh, they they have a, a ton of cash, so they, they can kind of afford it, even though they're losing a ton of money right now uh, producing those those vehicles in Illinois. Uh, but uh, they're producing more. I mean, uh, you just you, you were just in in Brooklyn to pick that car off,
1: and uh, you uh, that that car that truck, and you saw a lot of other units, right? yeah there was at least a hundred uh the, the guy I spoke to i think he said close to two hundred uh vehicles there um they were all r one ts there was not one r one s there unfortunately um and they were all uh, almost all uh customer vehicles so and and the the bottleneck was like they have uh people to deliver them, but they're getting more and more shipments every day so the the amount of shipments that are coming in they said they had a truck uh kind of just waiting until a, a couple more cleared out. So they're actually at capacity um, there. Um, they just need more people to like deliver these things, which is kind of crazy when you think about yeah. it.
0: Well, it's uh, it's fun. I mean, I know, I know like, they're probably tired of the Tesla comparison after a while, but it, it's interesting to see because it, Tesla is the only really company you can compare them to because Rivian is going that route of owning the whole distribution system too and they're not going through dealership and everything. So, this this is this is a problem that we've seen Tesla go through. At one point, once they started figuring out production and the diamond, of course, was through the roof. Like it is for Rivian, like they literally had to pull people off like the offices and everything to help with the deliveries. Like that yep. has happened a lot with Tesla, uh, so it's it's probably a good problem for Rivian to have, though. Even though I'm sure it's it's uh, resulting in some headaches for. Uh, for, for the staff and for for the customers too, that are trying to pick up their, their their vehicles but I mean everyone is super excited at this point so like if you're getting a delivery of a, of a r1t like it's it's exciting stuff so you, you you're willing to uh, uh, have a little bit of weight or uh, some issues some 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 friction at the delivery uh, just to get the excitement uh, in your car
1: yeah I mean there was a lot of excited people mm-hmm. there um, mm-hmm. getting their cars it was you know 10 a.m in Brooklyn uh and and that is like the flagship of the east coast so i think there were people coming as far away from you know as maryland or pennsylvania or massachusetts to that location to pick up their vehicles i know they were also training people uh that were going to be heading to cleveland and other places so like kind of like all the east coast activity is happening out of one mm. one place right now
0: so that's like a delivery center but they also have service there and yep. uh, and uh, Rivian also is, is going with m- mobile services, so you, they can cover like a f- fairly large area. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like they, they they need to expand their uh, their service centers and their they're they're on their own charging network too. That's the. That's the big difference that a lot of other automakers should, uh, should maybe look into like uh, sure. that That right now it's not significant enough to be a game changer for Rivian, but long-term like if it's to be successful, like having your own charging
1: network is, is a big deal. There's no doubt about it. I agree. I mean, you know, it, the number one kind of deal breaker uh, for, for people who are buying electric vehicles is charging network. Like, Tesla's charging network, you know, as you experienced with your Mustang in the south, mm-hmm. like the the charging network for other vehicles isn't there yet. Like it's it's stressful. There's a lot of uncertainty um, where Tesla's network is, you know, anywhere in the U.S. you can pretty much find find Tesla chargers. So uh, I think Rivian's putting that taking that into their own hands and and they're going to be in great shape, whereas these other companies don't seem to really care
0: yeah or not care enough to do their own network and are willing to to rely on third parties which they're getting better but im i'm, I'm on riven's website right now i'm trying to see if uh, i can I, I don't see a live a map of live stations i just see the upcoming station here you cannot you cannot choose to uh you can move it around but not uh ask for like existing station Hmm. It's a bummer. All right, um, all right. Moving on from Rivian to the F one hundred and fifty Lightning from Ford. Deliveries uh, started this week, uh, so the uh, officially the officially at dealership right now starting deliveries for obviously a limited number of vehicles, but uh, it's it's really starting and uh, like with uh, w- with the Lightning, uh, Seth, you were test driving it for the first time we test rode it before but didn't have the opportunity to, to drive it they had their first uh, media drive this week uh with uh off. unfortunately you cannot share your opinions just yet it's under
1: embargo uh lifting up next week sometime next week yep uh, i think on the 11th uh, you know the f-150 is a different type of vehicle than this it's huge it's a like you know, for me, it's like a non-starter because it's so so huge. But for other people, that's exactly what they want. They just want like a house on wheels, and and that's what this is. Like, it's just the biggest vehicle that you can imagine being, you know, on a road. Like, parking in a parking spot is almost impossible. But, uh, you know, like it's a it's a fantastic vehicle, obviously, um, for the fact that it's EV. It's not terribly expensive starts at $40,000 um and Ford obviously with their you know F150 being the the biggest selling car in the US for like decades they know scale so uh and i i believe they've already made more F150 pickups than Rivian has R- R1T's they just haven't even started delivering them so mm-hmm. that that scale is going to be uh pretty obvious really soon
0: yeah we're gonna feel it soon probably you're gonna start seeing them on the road like um with the uh start of deliveries they updated a few specs uh for the standard range you get more horsepower uh bump from uh, 426 to 452 and that's also resulting in a higher payload capacity uh, from 2000 pounds to 2235 pounds again that's for the standard range battery if if you have an extended range battery version uh, you get your uh, horsepower bump from 563 to 580, and uh, still that uh, 2,235 more pounds of uh, payload capacity. So a little nice, little surprise for people that have the reservation. And uh, yeah, you can uh, you can expect us to have a full read. Well, not a full review, of the first drive ex- experience of the vehicle uh, next week. So that's going to be exciting. We did learn a little bit more, too, with the start of deliveries. We learned about the uh, elusive home integration system that you need to have if you want to take advantage of uh, of the the vehicle to own capacity of the Lightning. So it's something that we talked about uh, last month when uh, they revealed the, the Pro Charger. Is that what they call it? Uh, uh, the, the Ford Charge Station Pro which uh, is uh, their bi-directional home charging station, which we we were uh, kind of impressed by the pricing of it uh, when it was announced last month at uh, $1,310, which sounds like a lot for an home charging station, but for an 80-amp charging station with bi-directional charging, it's kind of cheap. However, now we we have to... they, They did say at the time that it's combined with the home charger, uh, with the home integration kit that they call it, uh, home integration system. So that we didn't have a price and uh, we expected that it, it, it was going to be significant. Uh, so even though the charger is technically bidirectional, the bidirectional capacity of it is not useful unless you buy this home integration system, which we now learn costs uh, $3,900, basically 4000 bucks uh, before installation. So for sure more than $4,000 with installation, but, uh, we did learn from, um, Matthew Stover, the director of charging that, uh, it, it does consist of like a little bit more than just, um, making it work. Like there's your own battery system is in there along with unsurprisingly some power electronics, like an inverter. Uh, they didn't say how much of a capacity you have for a battery, uh, also uh, I'm not wh- I'm not sure why do you even need a battery cuz like the whole goal is to use the battery in your truck. Right. <laughs> uh so I don't I don't know how well, like I guess if you're you're not home when the power goes out. Yeah, I get it's, so it's it, it's to have um a system that works by itself and then that you can complement with your uh, with your truck, if you need to, like for an extended period of time, like maybe it's good enough for, but like, if you have a small battery, often you also have a small power capacity out of it because that that's the thing. Like people, like I, people were upset that I compared it to just a single power wall. Like they're like, yeah, a single power wall is 13.5 kilowatt hour. Like you're not, um, you, you 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 not get as you use way more energy in the f one fifty lightning yes but the f one fifty lightning only has a power capacity of nine point six well I say only it's plenty for 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 a house uh, or for a, not not for a full house necessarily but for in in case of an outage it's gonna power all your essentials for uh, as a load. A single power wall has a peak uh, output of also nine kilowatts, so it's it's, it's the same thing. Uh, it's just again, the energy capacity is not that won't last as long. Uh, that's why you would need like a second one or something, uh, or if you want to have a, a bigger load. So this this home uh, integration system would kind of take care of some of that capacity, and then if you like, all right, we're gonna it's a uh, uh, let's say that the the power, the reason for the outage is a serious one, like a, a natural disaster or whatever. You can um, plug your your truck uh, into the home integration system, or or the, actually it would be plugged already into the Ford Station Pro uh, charger, and uh, and then you can extend that uh, the use of the home integration system. Uh, they say that they, it's only going to be installed through Sunrun too, which is the, their partner for that. Uh, the if you go on the son website they're just willing to take interest right now in the in the system you cannot it doesn't look like you can get an actual quote or an uh, installation date or anything like that and i'd be curious to see how much it's going to cost because i would assume that's going to be quite expensive to install too so now now i'm at least it, i don't think it's it's hard to tell exactly but a lot of people talk a lot about that feature of the F-150 Lightning, like, oh, yeah. this vehicle to home, like, it, it has a big selling point. Uh, but to be honest, I don't know, like, how big of a game changer it is for most buyers. Uh, I would be very curious to see what would be a take rate on that, like, for people that do buy an F-150 Lightning. Like, how, how do you think, how many people do you think is, are going to buy this home integration system and the Ford station? Because it looks like it's going to be at least $6,000 just Right, best case scenario, about six thousand dollars to to get it to work.
1: Well, here's another thing: like a lot of people have generators at their their homes right now, and they have a generator, you know, in plug already built into their you know electrical system. You could really just take the two two forty volt out of the um, the back of the Ford F one fifty and make a plug and and plug that in, and that's going to act just like a generator, and that that outputs 9.6 kilowatts as well. So um, you kind of have the same thing as the generator plug. If you already have a system like that,
0: it's just not but, as elegant of a solution really.
1: Right. And, and it's not something that like will click on um, automatically right when your power goes out, but for $5,000 and something that happens, you know, once every couple of years, maybe it doesn't make sense to, to add that extra you know, extra cost. Um, We'll see. I guess. I guess we'll find out how many people want that.
0: Yeah, and if maybe if you already have a sun run installation, a solar installation, then maybe it makes more sense. Maybe like the, the installation is a lot simpler in that case, because if you can combine the home battery system with uh, solar, uh, there's advantage there too. Uh, yeah, I mean may, maybe as we uh, as the electric utility market grows into uh, the situation, how to use uh, this load this. There's two things. There's a comfortable load capacity, and then there's the energy capacity that's in, in those vehicles. Uh, I, I think along just the comfortable load itself, because if everyone has a an and f uh, fifty or, or other electric pickup trucks, the, this is starting to be a significant charge load that you have uh, on the market, uh, especially if... Uh, people get this ADM home charger. Like this is starting to be a lot. Uh, just the fact that if you have a system like that, that can communicate with electric utilities and you can, everyone can just let them know like when to charge and when not to charge, that would be a giant deal alone uh, as, again, as the the, the fleet grows. But um, then if you had that, the controllable energy capacity of it, um, I, I just think that a lot of people are going to be a lot less uh, willing to, uh, just to let the electric utility go into your vehicle's battery pack. That's a a bigger ask, really.
1: Yeah. All right. uh, Let's talk about Recurrent a little bit. All right. Uh, This week, the Electric Podcast is sponsored by Recurrent, battery reports for EV owners. With Recurrent, you can check the battery before buying a used EV, monitor your battery performance over your entire ownership with monthly insights, Then command higher resale values with battery condition reports when it's time to trade in. Recurrent gives people confidence in EV batteries, whether they're a first-time buyer or a long-time EV owner. While legacy combustion engines have 2,000 parts, an electric motor has two dozen. The most important and expensive part of an EV is the battery. And it's literally a black box. Recurrent makes battery performance and expected range over time more transparent. Reports are free for individual owners and Recurrent also has paid options available for car dealers to run bulk reports. You can sign up for your free report at RecurrentAuto.com or by hitting the link in the show notes. Thank you to Recurrent for sponsoring this week's podcast. Yes, thank you, Recurrent.
0: Uh, All right, we're going to have a few news items to discuss in the next few minutes uh, regarding Tesla. Uh, But then uh, we're going to go back to the comments after that. So if you have any comments, uh, whether it's about the R1T, we can ask that directly since he's sitting in it. Or any other uh, EV news related stuff that happened this week or subjects in general, we can put them in the comment section right now. We're going to get to them in a few minutes. Um, all right, this was an exclusive this week uh, that uh, Tesla is updating its uh, compensation model for uh, retail uh, employees, so uh, sales and deliveries employees. So they, uh, they had kind of a roller coasters over the last few years, the retail employees at Tesla, going back to, uh, if you remember, the we're closing all the stores thing, we're going online only and all that stuff, which uh, was, in fact, also... Um, Compensation reduction for them because they they got a lot of the bonuses back then when they did that uh, related to um, to the, the delivery quotas. Um, but um, and then and that has been like a very like a situation where people a lot of people didn't even know that uh, Tesla employees are actually paid in commission or in bonuses. It's not exactly like it is for um, the average dealership, which are, are obviously known to be extremely commission based, uh, which make them a little bit more pushy sometimes. It's a case-by-case basis, obviously. Uh, Tesla doesn't have the exact same model. It used to have more significant commissions. Uh, now, it, it, it changed it over the last few years to delivery um, bonuses linked to delivery quotas per regions or per, per stores. And if they do hit their quotas, uh, they would get a 25% bonus uh, for that, that on their salaries, on their respective yearly s- salaries for that quarter. Uh, whether it's um, and they, they would have the option to take in in stocks or take in in a, in, a, in salary bump in cash, and um, so twenty five percent is significant and and historically they have been hitting it so it's it's been part of their compensation really because uh, Tesla has had some aggressive delivery goals but for the most part the the company has been hitting new records every quarter basically um, but now they're changing that to completely remove anything that has to do with delivery quotas. And instead uh, they are going to give an overall bump in salaries to all sales and delivery employees by 12.5%, uh, which effectively really it's equivalent of if they would hit half of the quarters. So if they hit two quarters in a year, uh, that would be the equivalent of uh, the, the raise that they're getting at. And again, like I said, over the last few years, they've been hitting all quarters. So technically it is a, uh, compensation overall compensation reduction for those employees is just that they sort of remove the stress of hitting the delivery quotas i guess well not, not 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 even remove all the stress but remove the stress related to uh hit the, the, the delivery quotas being tied to your salaries that's the that's really the effectively the what what happened here so i mean depending on how you see it uh, sorry employees or not sorry employees if if you do like the change but for the most part i think people are going to Not be too happy with it, since it's literally a a salary reduction for most people. All right, uh, S and X—they got a new screen. uh, Apparently, starting uh, since the last week of April uh, from production—that's what we're hearing, based on what people are getting delivered right now. So there is still some vehicle delivered without it, uh, but this uh, center display here is now on a swivel that is motorized. Uh, So here you can see from the video here from uh, Mr. Larry Lee uh, at Tesla Frank on Twitter, and uh, forget the uh, the, you can see the hood uh, getting up here, but that that's that's an aftermarket modification that he's like promoting uh, that his company does. But here you can see the it's a full motorized swivel for the center display. This is completely for the passenger's uh, benefit, but you can also uh, move it on the left side to, to face the driver a little bit more so you can both get a better experience for the driver and um, really like basically dedicating the screen to, to the passenger if you want. Uh, so we know that Tesla is big on entertainment lately in the last few years. They want to push a lot of video games inside their cars, a lot of uh, uh, streaming services. And currently you cannot, if you're driving, you cannot watch anything on that screen, uh, any video playback. But we assume that Tesla is moving towards that in the future, especially that now they have some competition on that front. In, in Europe, Mercedes with the level three system, hands-free system, you can actually uh, you can actually play video on that center display under certain conditions. So some of them is like, are, catch, are, are beating Tesla to that front. Now Tesla is being more careful because they're not big on the level three. They want they want to skip to level four. Even they've been talking about level five, but n- not as much lately. <laughs> um, so this is something to keep an eye on. But at least one part you can give the experience to the passenger and have a better view of the of the screen now. All right, the CCS adapter, the elusive Tesla CCS one adapter. That uh we don't for the love of God, we cannot we don't know why it's not in the US yet. But it is, it is if you want to jump through some hoops and and making it happen. But for some reason it's only available in, in Korea right now, directly from Tesla. You can buy it from Tesla, but from Tesla Korea. And um that has been the case since last year. And when they did that, Tesla said, are we gonna launch that in North America soon? The word was soon. Uh, hasn't been the case yet, and of course, there it, it would, it would be a significant market for it in North America, thanks to the rise of charging stations like EVgo, like Electric for America, uh, that uh, some of them are becoming uh, useful to um, uh, to Tesla owners. It, it would be if the, you have this little device, this tiny little device right here, the CCS1 adapter. And um, the news this week is that uh, this seems to have been an update to it, or if it's not an update, it's a strange situation that happened because... It has been spotted charging at over 200 kilowatts, uh, 205 kilowatts, for uh, to be precise, at uh, when it was in a 19% state of charge. So, uh, not even completely empty. 90% state of charge, 205. When Tesla first uh, launched it on the, on its uh, Korea store last year, they were say they were saying that it's only rated at 150 kilowatts. So then this is a someone that bought the charger from Tesla from Korea and poured it into the U S, tested it on an EVgo station in the U S and got 205. So maybe Tesla released a software update after some testing. They are more confident about it and let it charge at a higher level. Does that mean that it's coming soon to the U S? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. We really have no idea on this one. It's, it's very strange situation because. There's definitely demand for it, so right. Tesla might just not be able to produce enough for it. They know that's gonna uh, is gonna be like, I wouldn't be surprised if fifty thousand people order that thing uh, once it's made available in the U.S. Something like that is It is a useful device to have in your car when you when you're on a road trip. There's no doubt about it. Um, and for a lot of people, there's there's some station that makes sense. But now the other way around to is what a lot of people are asking for. So an adapter for people to, for non-Tesla owners to charge on supercharger network. I know that would have been useful for me last month on my road trip in the South. That would have made a big difference. Um, so Tesla opening the, the superchargers to non-Tesla owners, which they have been talking about doing in North America also for a while, but there's no clear timeline either.
1: Yeah. Do you think uh, uh, like uh Evgo and Electrify America would buy uh, adapters to, like, you know, leave at a a, a charging station. Uh, so that yeah, yeah, I mean, uh,
0: it makes a ton of sense. Like, there's eighty percent of the, not not maybe not anymore, but something like, like probably seventy percent of the entire EV fleet in the U.S. is Tesla vehicles. So if you're in the business of charging electric vehicles. Uh, you want to address the biggest market possible. So it would make a ton of sense for them to do that. Of course, they would need to have a way to make it safe and not, uh, people not stealing it because they are valuable adapters. Right. That's, they're selling them right now for the equivalent of $250 in Korea. We did link to a useful Reddit post, uh, in our article. You can, uh, if you look on electric for the CCS one adapter article, we have a link to a Reddit post, uh that, uh, uh, gives us basically a guide to how to order it. To, uh, um, it's a shipping service that basically gives you a Korean address to ship it to, and then the people there, they know to sh- to forward it to another address uh, in North America. So it's a useful guide to uh, if you really need it right now, you don't want to wait for the uh, official uh, North American version because it works. Like There's no, in Korea, Tesla has the proprietary connectors, and it's a CCS1 a standard so it just works I wonder,
1: I wonder if tesla will stop sending to that particular address when 600 people are ordering it from yeah man maybe that's what we need
0: to do <laughs> just a bunch of people just or order uh well at the same time they wouldn't even know they would just like hey people in korea love that thing a lot because they all yeah. they all ship to in korea
1: this one too. particular home <laughs> yeah they love this thing
0: all right, let's jump into the comments. I think we have a few more about the R1T, and then uh, if you have anything else, too, you can ask us. And we have some time.
1: All right. Uh, so, uh, Tyler Donho also asked about the AC and the radios. Um, it's obviously not AC weather right now. You can tell it's pouring down rain here outside. Um, so, I didn't get to try that, but I did get to try uh, the sounds, the stereo. It sounds amazing. Whoops, um, I hit. I didn't get. Um, so I, I, I have, uh, I think it's, the AC is going to be fine. The radio is great. Mm. Um, we talked about what update I was on, uh, Manuel, um, see moving forward. Uh, does it have double pane windows? We, we talked about that. Yes, they are double pane, uh, so uh, Manuel also asked, do you know if yours had the underbody protection? How much weight does it add? I don't think underbody protection would add too much weight, and I don't know if this one has that, although I have been taking it through the mud, so we'll find out. Uh, to 35 says, question comparing R1T to competition. How does R1T navigation compare to Android Auto? I can tell you right now in Brooklyn, you're going to want to stick with Android Auto or, or Google mm-hmm. um, or even probably Apple. Um, I had a hard time getting out of Brooklyn. It, it had a very strange route for me to go. So I ended up just using my phone. Um, can it perform voice commands? Yes, it can. It actually, uh, uses Alexa for a lot of voice commands, which kind of weird, but, you know, Jeff Bezos and Amazon spent a lot of money investing in Rivian, you know, that wasn't free money, I guess. Um, can you read or reply to messages or navigate to Starbucks via voice command? You cannot do the read reply to messages, which I love about um, CarPlay and Android Auto. It can navigate to a Starbucks via voice command. Um, and I haven't tried that yet, but I know it can do that if if uh, I do try. I don't know how well it works. Um, autopilot, I didn't get to use much. Um, it's pouring down rain here and uh, was coming back from Brooklyn my understanding is, and I got to use it before, uh, in, in Colorado. Um, it's more like traffic aware cruise control. It's not, uh, you know, it's not fully, fully autopilot and it only works on certain highway portions that have been mapped. So it's not as good, but, um, when it, when it is invocable, it does pretty well. You also need to have your hand on the wheel. It's not like GMs where, uh, you can have your hands down. And actually, I was surprised, Fred, I didn't tell you this, um, and it might be embargoed, but um, Blue Cruise in the Ford F-150 no longer requires uh, your hand to be on the wheel. Um, And it worked amazingly well. We were in uh, high traffic going like 70 miles per hour for like a half hour, and Blue Cruise was fine.
0: No hands. No hands because they have a camera in there that's looking at you, though, right? Exactly. Yeah, because yep. I didn't have that on on the Mustang Mac Key. Like, it, it uh, I kept yep. I kept getting the the alert, and also like the Mac Key has the same thing as Tesla. I don't know like what kind of sensor they have on the steering wheel, but they don't actually detect if your hands on the wheel or not. You have to also apply some pressure.
1: Yep. All right, uh, Farfolomo asks, uh, will the love of pickup decrease over the next few years because of battery manufacturing concerns? It's much easier to produce small packs sedan like cars like Tesla's model three. I would say it's much cheaper to produce small packs. Um and as far as will the love of pickup decrease? Um has the price of gas made pickups the love of pickups decrease? Maybe but uh I don't think that much. What do you think, Fred? Uh
0: I mean I, I do think we're gonna start seeing a much higher premium on well and we're already seeing that uh on a higher energy density battery pack, a bigger battery pack. We've seen on the F one fifty, they charge you a pretty penny if you want to get from the standard battery pack to the extended range. Uh, we've seen, uh, well, we're not seeing it perfectly with the Rivian because right now they're just producing one battery pack, but uh, they did increase the price on, on, on the bigger battery pack that's going to be released to the, uh, the the third version of it. Uh, and we, we, I think we're going to see more and more of that because. It it makes sense to release to put electric cars with smaller battery pack on the road because that will cover more mileage overall uh, than having with, with with fewer batteries. It's as simple as that because most of the time you're carrying a big battery pack that you're not really using for that particular trip that you're doing because average trip is like thirty miles in the U.S. Uh, so if 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 you can have char- more charging points and smaller battery pack. That would be the the best solution, of course. Um, now, like Seth said, said, <laughs> like how does that really affect the, the buyers? Like the, the people are gonna still want the big trucks, and I I just don't see like you you, you still see it too much. I, I won't buy an electric car unless I have six hundred miles of range on it. Like when do you drive six hundred miles and shot? And once every three years. All right, like, can you make that trip one every three years uh, just a little bit m- longer, like uh, adding one stop to it, and then, <laughs> and and, and right. is is it worth it? That most people, you would sit down and explain that to them, and they'll, they'll, they'll understand and they'll do it, but. How does that affect your buying experience and what you're looking for in a truck? It's, humans are weird creatures when it comes to that stuff. Like they, they just they want what they want. <laughs> uh, but I think there's no better incentive than economical incentive. So I think that uh, the market is going to settle into this this option of like, all right, you, we you can have the smarter battery pack for a very good price. If you want the bigger battery pack, you can have it, and a lot of people going to want it, but you're going to have to pay a bigger premium for it. Uh, I think that will make sense for most part. Is just for trucks. It's a, it's a bit different because you, you a lot of people want to have the battery pack for not only the time that they drive longer distance, but the time that they have to carry big loads. That's where things get a little bit more difficult. But I think the same the same model is going to apply to it.
1: All right. Uh, Tanks to thirty five says, does R one T lower when parked to make it easier for short people to get in and out of the truck? Um, don't know that it does. Um, you can lower it manually, or you can just drive in sport mode, which is low to begin with, uh, which I think a lot of people are going to do. Like, unless you're going off-road, there's really no reason – or or doing towing, um, there's really no reason to be in off-road mode or conserve mode or all-purpose mode. Sport's kind of where the fun is, um, and that's low or lowest. Um, maybe, though, in a software update, uh, Rivian will have something where it lowers it down, and um, – it's certainly not as high as the F one fifty, so it's not like a you know, you're not like falling out of the vehicle, but um yeah, that would be a benefit. Uh Mike Keel from LinkedIn asks, uh, what if Sunrun doesn't operate in your state? Do we know what uh Ford does there, Brent? Yeah,
0: I I I think that's like uh once we get there kind of <laughs> kind of issues, like it's uh I I would assume that they would work with other partners because I mean I don't know why Sunrun would need exclusivity on that. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they're gonna just enable other uh, they're gonna certify other installers at some point. But uh, I think that let's see what it looks like with Sunrun first and then move on with with the others. Yeah, like I said, I'm not I'm not sure like how big of a thing this is gonna get like. Uh, I'm sure the F-150 Lightning is going to be a giant success. This part of it, I just don't know it.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of like a nice-to-have. Like yeah. You want to be able to have that, and, but you don't necessarily mm. want to spend $5,000 immediately. Yeah. To get that. All right, Manuel asked, did you see any R1S when you picked up the R1T? And uh, no, and we were looking, and we asked the guy there uh, if there were any on, on site. He said no, but there are some being delivered now in other delivery centers. So the R one S um, have not started shipping to the East Coast, or at least to New York yet. Um, we'll know soon, though. I am sure. All right, Greg Poland says comment: CCS in Texas is scarce. West and East Coast have many CCS chargers. I would like to get an Ionic Five, but I am feeling range anxiety just thinking about driving it in Texas. Uh, the question is will the CCS adapter work on my 2018 Model uh, 3. Well, the quick answer is no. Uh, there's
0: something on the on the car hardware side that you you need to have a, a small uh, connector. And uh, I think that Tesla started adding to the vehicles in late 2019 or or early 2020, something like that. So no, 2018 won't work. But apparently it's a f- fairly small upgrade to get. So maybe that's, maybe that's one of the things that's slowing down the release of this is adapter yeah. in America. Maybe Tesla is waiting for a ritual program on that front. Cause even though Tesla is not big on ritual fitting things, this one might be one of the easiest one to do. So uh, they might do it for that, especially since uh, like it's, it's attached to a purchase anyway. So maybe Tesla can do a thing like uh, order the $250 adapter, uh, $300 if you uh, are a, uh, 2018, 2019 model and older, and get that fifty dollars thing installed at the same time, something something like that. So I I would be surprised if Tesla doesn't let older um, Tesla vehicle uh, work with the adapter too.
1: All right, Manuel asks, how are the cold, cold and heat seats? Uh, it, I didn't get to try them, but I would say the seats are pretty comfortable and. They are vented as well, so um, I think great for long trips. Um, and it's very similar to a Tesla in that um, you can set by driver your your settings, so uh, you'll get into the car and have the the right uh, seating arrangement. Well, for while while we're on the seat set, let's talk about this a little bit because I I, I had
0: a friend that like a lot of people have been reaching out to me lately, obviously, and I'm sure they have to you too about getting electric vehicles since the gas prices are higher and everything. And I had a few people reach out to me. It's something that I didn't think about a lot, but for the wider EV adoption, it's going to be a big deal at some point, especially in the U S is cars for bigger people. Like that's some of my bigger friends. They reached out to me and like, okay, I'm looking for an electric vehicle right now and, I, I, I run off all my usual uh, recommendation and they like I try all of those and the seats are not comfortable for me because I'm a bigger guy. I'm like six, three, three hundred pounds and everything. I'm talking about like really bigger people. And, and like the, the seats are not comfortable for me after a while. if I sit in there, the I, I start feeling the the plastic side on them and everything. I'm like, I've never thought about that before. like I, I literally run out of recommendation for them. So I was starting to think, okay, and I know, I know one of the reasons why the pickup trucks are so popular in the U S it's not because everyone is a, is a construction worker is because obesity is a big deal in the U S and it is in Canada too, to be fair. I'm not just, I'm not just smashing on the U S right now, but, uh, and pickup trucks are larger; the seats are larger, so they're more comfortable for for bigger people. And so, I was thinking, okay, maybe the R one T might be one to, even though it's on the more expensive side, we would be one to recommend. So, how do you feel about the seats itself, like you, and and the space on it?
1: I'm usually easy to please with seats. Like I even like the Chevy Bolt seats, which everybody seemed to hate, but um, these feel very like roomy, very sturdy. Um, you know, I feel like I could ride around for a long time in them. Um, I will say, like, as far as leg room, I moved um, for the podcast. I moved the seat all the way back and I can't even touch. Yeah. Like, even if I stretch out my legs, I can't even touch the gas. So I think a uh, six foot five person, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost six feet. Um, so a six foot five person would pro- have no problem in here. And, you know, you can see the height, like there's probably six seven inches between my head and the glass. So I don't think, I don't think anybody would, you know, in, inside the normal bell curve would be, um, one of my neighbors is like 69 uh, six, nine or something. So I'll give him a try mm-hmm. in here and see what, how that goes.
0: All right. Uh, same here in Texas. Okay. We're talking about CCS still.
1: Uh, do I, f- feel any improvement from the event in Colorado to today? Well, the big improvement for me was in the, uh, the UI, um, very responsive. There's been a lot of, uh, new, uh, features added. Um, there's still s- some issues like, uh, there was a part earlier where, I, um, a keyboard was supposed to come up and it didn't, you know, I was in the manual and I was doing a search for, um, trailer hitch stuff. And, uh, I I was in the search part and there was no way to enter keys. So there's still little things like around the edges, nothing, you know, super consequential, but um, big improvement there. As far as hardware, it's hard for me to notice anything. Um, this particular vehicle, I don't know if this is indicative of all of them, but this one is put together really well, super quiet. Um, you know, the door closes really, you know, like... Mm-hmm my tesla will go rattle a little bit um so i have to say like i'm pretty impressed with this thing uh especially being from a new car company i think they did their homework here um moving on adam wilcox how many years until actual long range towing camping with electric pickups is really viable i mean long range is subjective but i think you could get pretty far Uh, With this thing, and then as far as camping goes, I think this is probably better than a internal combustion pickup truck. Yeah, I think with the, uh, the Rivian
0: and the longer range version of the F-150 Lightning, it's, it's, it's what we're starting to see happening right now. Uh, like you said, depending on what you mean by longer range, but if you can get, like, if you can travel 200 miles in a day, uh, with with a with the trailer with a camper in the back like you know, this is, this opens up a nice opportunities to to uh to go on road trips and and whatnot like it's uh, i know it's not ideal just yet but it's it's starting to towards that direction for sure
1: yeah so on the f one fifty um we were getting uh we were towing a airstream you know great for camping and we were getting close to two uh two miles per kilowatt So, you know, that's 140, uh, 133 kilowatt hour battery pack. So, you know, close to 260 miles with that thing. Um, That would be pretty good. Airstreams are obviously very Mm -hmm. aerodynamic. Um, But that was pretty impressive. And we we weren't on the highway. We were driving on like backcountry roads. But, um, you know, that's pretty good. Um, I think the aerodynamics of uh, these electric pickups are, are kind of coming in handy there. Um, Another question, uh, when when do you think Tesla's referral program will be back in Germany? Thank you guys for this great podcast. Mm. From Patricio Brennan. Thank you,
0: Patricio. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I don't know in Germany particularly. Like, uh, I mean, if Tesla brings it back, I think it's going to be more of a a global thing. uh, Like it um, mostly has been for the referral program. And uh, I, I, I mean, when they need it, that's, that's the answer, really. Which is not anytime soon. Um, I don't think you're going to see uh, maybe once, once Berlin, once Texas, and full production. Uh, then maybe, maybe it's going to start making some sense for Tesla to 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 start going back to the well a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So the radio works uh, on the R1T. So yeah, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Like is it, maybe um, by the end of next year, we could start Tesla putting again some incentive back into uh, trying to create a backlog.
1: Sorry about that noise. I was reading ahead to, uh, <laughs> besides Spotify, are there any other apps? So um, I popped in. Right now, just tune in and Spotify um, for the uh, music um but there's plenty of uh, content on those two things. Um, Again, sorry about that music. (laughs) Um, F. Phillips says, will Rivian become a major player in the EV market or meet the fate of DeLorean? Um, I think that probably depends on how well they're able to execute and um, do what they're trying to do. I mean, you know, from a, commodity standpoint, Ford is definitely going to have an advantage on pickups, but uh, Rivian is kind of positioning itself as the adventure company, Um, and you know, they they sold me uh, you know, for me, the smaller size, but all the cool stuff about it uh, made it more appealing than a, you know, a a monstrous size Ford or a, a GMC Hummer, which is out of my price range, or, um the, you know, upcoming uh, Chevy Silverado. So um, I, I think Rivian is winning there as long as they can continue to increase their output, they'll be in good shape, but they have to execute on all that stuff.
0: Yeah, they, are, they have a great product. So like, the, the product is undoubtedly like well-liked by anyone who tried it. People are taking deliveries already. So once you have that, like you, you you're you're already a big part of the way there. Now you have to sell them with a positive gross margin, and you have to be able to ramp up production. So those are the difficult things that Rivian has to achieve right now. It looks like it's on its way there. So I don't I don't think uh, we can uh, we can compare it to DeLorean uh, just yet, which is apparently coming back to So right,
1: DeLorean's not gone yet, right? Um 25th, Adam, is it the 25th there's gonna be a, an event
0: for the little Oregon, I think.
1: Yeah, those those uh doors look pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um Adam Wilcox asks, are the cameras higher frame rate now? Um that I don't know. I need to Was talk. that a problem on the, on yeah, the yeah, they were uh low frame rate and kind of low resolution mm-hmm. uh before. I don't think they can change the resolution, mm-hmm. but they might be able to change the frame rate. It wasn't a problem, but I think people we're using them to like navigate over hills and it wasn't mm. it wasn't quite as nice as they had hoped. Um and then the final question at the moment, uh Manuel says, How's the sound system since you brought up the radio? Well, yeah. uh you heard you heard it, it's pretty pretty loud. Um I thought I think it's great. Um I'm not like an audiophile. I don't think my ears are really tuned for it, but it sounds fantastic. Um we were uh coming up from Brooklyn jamming out to, to different music, it all sounded great, so I think it's good.
0: All right, well, we're all looking forward to your uh, full review coming up in the uh, in the next week or so. Uh, in the meantime, thanks a lot for everyone for listening. If you do enjoy the show, please give us a thumbs up. We appreciate it. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're if you listening on a podcast app, a five-star review would be much appreciated. That helps us show more than you can think. It's free to do. And uh, we're going to see you same time, same place next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.